All right, let's welcome to the Misfit Nation, Jay Shipman, uh, founder of Choose Your Struggle, a vulnerable uh, storyteller, stigma-destroying speaker, and podcaster. How are you, Jay? I'm good, and I'm honored to be a, a member of the Misfit Nation. Awesome, awesome. Welcome in, and uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your backstory, where you where you started and how you got to where you are now. Well, very briefly, I am a guy in long-term recovery. That's always the first thing that I say right off the bat. That is uh, one of, I think, the most important things about me because it helps people understand that, you know, just because I've kind of made it to a successful place right now doesn't mean I've always been at this place. Uh, I did overcome a pretty serious uh, struggle with substance misuse and addiction and uh, struggles with my mental health along the way. And I entered recovery in 2010 and started telling my story for the first time in 2015 and since then the ball has been rolling and this is what i do now it's just trying to help end the stigma and promote honest and fact-based education around mental health substance misuse and recovery and drug use and policy that's what gets me out of bed every morning and that's what i'm excited to do every day awesome uh, 2010 and 2015 that was a five-year i guess climb for you to get to be able to come be comfortable to tell your story in, in public i'm guessing I'm sure you told it to your close circle of friends and family or, or your network, and then you burst out after that point. <laughs> uh, I wish it was that easy. No, okay. um, you know, when I, when I first told my story uh, in 2015, there were about 150 people in the audience, of which I personally had invited maybe half. And of those, let's say 75 to make it easy, maybe five people knew what I was going to talk about. Wow. This was something, you know, struggling with your mental health and with addiction, the stigma is very real. And, and because of that, um, I, 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 I'll be honest, man, I just bought into that, that stigma. I bought into that hate. And I thought, you know, given the way we talk about people who struggled the way I did, I thought that I was a failure. And it took me five years of healing. That's number one. I mean, we have this idea that you enter recovery and then, oh, all is good. And that's just BS, you know. But it took me five years of healing to also then recognize that I wasn't a failure. I didn't chosen, you know, to, to go through this. This wasn't my choice. It was something that happened to me. And uh, that's when I decided to tell my story. It's outstanding. I mean, uh, you, you're on the other side of it now. You still, like you said, it's it's a fight forever. It's not just going to one day you're going to be able to wake up and say, I don't have to fight this. You have to fight every day. You got to keep pushing forward. Uh, the stigma, like you said, I was in the military from the nineties through 2015. And if you ever said you had something wrong in your brain, you were just weak sauce and out the door that you were just not worthy enough to be in the military at that point. Uh, I came home in, in 2011, actually. And I, I went to the doctor. I said, look, something's wrong with me. I've seen too much seen too much and need help. And they said, no, you're a leader. You got to keep going. You're good. Keep going. So I said, okay, I'm good. I'll keep going. And it wasn't until 2016, 17, I finally got help. Man, that's terrible. I'm so sorry. Yeah, so that stigma you speak of, it, it's real across all, every echelon of our lives. Yeah. And I, I can't imagine, you know, if it's as hard as it was for me in everyday society, I honestly cannot imagine how hard it was for you in in a in a environment in a community that prizes more than prizes that's too weak that that celebrates uh 
that normal isn't good enough that that you have to be this superhuman every single day and so anything is going to fall short of that but especially those who are really struggling i can't imagine what that's like it was a it was a trying time and uh finally when i finally linked up with the right person the right uh therapist he got me on the right path and holistically i didn't i told him i didn't want any medication i just want to talk it out get this thing going and do what i can to beat myself up another different way to make myself right and like like you it's a journey every day well i'm 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 happy for you that you got to that point and uh as i was saying before i'm just sorry that it, it took so long that you had so many obstacles but you know i'm sure that taught you a lot yeah it taught me a lot and uh, taught me to help others like like you do now you're able to go out there and tell your story and that people in that audience you may not know how many you actually touch in that way there might be one person out there that's on the edge of going to the darkness and your your story tells them oh man i can i don't need to do that someone out here loves me i'm gonna come and go straight go forward so i know yeah. that how many people have you talked to after a speech that said hey you just saved me man I, i'll tell you what i couldn't have said it any better myself you know i um <clears throat> i say this a lot on on my show and, and when i'm interviewed but i don't do what I do to, to, to make a bunch of money. Obviously that would, that would, first off, that would be disingenuous, but second off, uh, I, that would be pretty stupid because I don't make a lot of money. <laughs> I do this because the point is just as you perfectly said to reach that one person. And, and, and there's a quote I love using because it's, it's kind of silly, but it, but it really does say it well. And that's this Eminem line where he says, if there's one kid out of a hundred million who's going through a struggle and feels he can relate, that's great. That's why I do this. You know, when I do these interviews, if one person afterwards reaches out and goes, Oh my God, I've, you know, my story is similar to yours or God, I understand exactly what you were going through. It was worth it. It was all worth it. Uh, and, and yeah, man, you know, from, from speaking in front of literally thousand people, to, to doing podcasts where I guarantee you it's just me, the host, and the host mom who listens, you know, there's always that one person. And, and, and those are the stories I remember. Right. And, and that's, a, I think that's my goal. I don't, I don't make nothing off this, actually. Uh, you can tell by my awesome digital background, it's just a picture. So <laughs> that way you don't have to see where I am if I'm in a hotel room and my bed's not made behind me. I kind of made that up, but I have, I'd make whatever anchor gives me for playing their ad on my podcast. And I haven't even cashed that in yet. <laughs> so I think uh, the value of like we're both saying is that one, if we can touch one, help one, get one to get help someone else. And I think that's the path we all need to be on. So you, you went to Northern Kentucky University. Or, so that's not far from here. I'm in, I'm in Tennessee right now. So that's not far. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I am a proud, uh, a proud uh, Norse uh, graduate. <laughs> Um, and I, what, what was interesting, I think, and what I love to talk about for NKU, uh, was when I was at my worst, when I was really struggling with addiction, uh, I failed out of university of Cincinnati and that's where I'm from Cincinnati. I actually went to a different school before that also transferred before failing out. And when I got into recovery and, and really was like, I want to graduate college. I want to, I want to do that. Uh, I went to, uh, the Cincinnati state technical college. Uh, kind of got my feet under me and then transferred to NKU with the goal of getting uh, my bachelor's uh, in, in psychology. And I wanted to do that for two reasons. Number one, to understand sort of on a on a, a more advanced level what had happened with me with my struggles with addiction and, and mental health. And number two, 
to try to understand how someone uh, a little bit more detail my story uh, of addiction actually started with a misdiagnosis and, and, and a, a doctor, a, a therapist who over over medicated me. Ah. And, and I wanted to understand how he could have done that. Now, when I graduated a couple of years later, I had achieved my first goal. I understood, uh, at least on a, on a more advanced level, what had happened to me. Uh, but I never understood why the therapist did what he did. And you know, you were mentioning you finally found a good therapist. And I, I got to say that for, for me, the closure here came when I had a good therapist myself about four years ago now. And I was sitting there talking to this therapist and I told her how I was still angry at, at my former therapist who had over medicated me, almost killed me, you know, sent me on this spiral. And I said, you know, and, and she said, well, what are you hoping to achieve? you know, from carrying this anger around. And I said, I want him to say, I'm you're, I'm sorry. I want him to acknowledge what he did to me. And she said to me, look, uh, he's never going to do that. And you need to understand that because if he does, he'll be admitting to a very serious offense, a very serious criminal offense, and he will go to jail. So he's not going to do that. And I, I got to tell you, man, that knocked me on my ass. And, and, and I realized I'd been carrying this anger that was only hurting me. And it, nothing good was coming of this because she was right. You know, this therapist who's now retired uh, will never say the words, I'm sorry. will never admit that he did something wrong. Because if he did, his life would be over. And he's not going to do that. So I realized this anger that was motivating me was really just about me it had nothing to do with this guy and i was able to let it go after that so kind of a release once you realize that there was nothing really you can do at that point with your anger besides maybe punch balls or hurt yourself more than you have been doing yeah and, and i'll tell you you know that anger was motivating you know that a lot of doing this back in 2015 when i first started for the first couple of years it was it was to to overcome that to to kind of show him look you almost killed me look what you did to me and i've turned this into a positive and i finally realized that that wasn't you know not just because of what the therapist said but that wasn't a good reason to do this i wasn't doing this for the right reasons and and thankfully i caught that relatively early and now for the last four plus years i've been doing this to, to for a better reason to make a difference to, to help people and it has been a weight off of my chest, of course, but it's also helped me reorient my my life, my work, and, and make it more about serving people rather than sort of an I'll show you, which is, is not a healthy thing to do in the first place. So it kind of gave you your purpose, your motivation for purpose and to service others while helping yourself at the same time. So it's yeah. a plus plus at that point. In the, That's right. <laughs> when did you get your first actual speaking gig? I've seen you have your TEDx on your opening there and before you came on. So when did you get your first big, big speech or big Ted talk? Well, so that first night that I told my story was a very well known and respected uh, speaking opportunity in my hometown of Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, after that, um, the, the opportunity started rolling in. So I actually my second ever gig was at a Ted salon. Now, for those who listen and watching who are unaffiliated, the ones that you see that the Malcolm Gladwells of the world doing is called TED. That's their biggest conference. Below that is a TEDx. And I've now done one of those since. Uh, those are all around the globe. They usually have four or five, six speakers. 
And then the one below that is called Ted Salon. And that's in sort of a an intro style thing. My second ever gig was a TED Salon. I was invited to do this uh, in Cincinnati based on the, the successful uh, story I'd told uh, about a month before at that point. And I'll, I'll tell you this very quick story because it just, it, I think it's incredible. That night I'm doing this, it's at an event space. I mean, this is a, it's a whole, you know, party. There's like 10 of us doing these uh, very short, like three or four minute um, uh, TED Salon speeches. And I tell mine and I come off stage and the uh, manager of the event space is waiting for me. And he said, would you mind coming with me to the kitchen? Uh, okay, sure. So I go back to the kitchen and it turns out that the, the kitchen manager was in recovery and made it his work or like his mission to only hire people for the, the kitchen who were in recovery. Wow. So this entire group is made up of nothing but people like me. And at the time, I'm only five years in. I'm barely five years in, right? So we sit down. I miss the entire rest of the event. And for the next 45 minutes, we're just swapping stories. Uh, to say that there there was a tear shed is an understatement. And it was one of those moments where it was like, I know that what I'm doing is the right thing. You know what I mean? Like, here I am, five years in recovery, my only my second speaking gig. And I've had this level of impact. Yeah, this is what I want to do. And so I did it on the side for the next couple of years, uh, speaking here and there, local groups, clubs, and that kind of thing. And then in 2019, I left my career behind in January of 19 to set out to do this full time. And uh, I've been doing it since. Now, obviously, COVID uh, made that very difficult the last couple of years. Uh, we're not even close to back to where I was. Uh, I, I, I to help people understand, I lost five speaking gigs in the two days after uh, sort of the world shut down in March of 2020. Wow. Uh, everything canceled, you know, across the board. And since then, I have yet to have five speaking gigs. So I'm still not back to where I was. Wow. Uh, now, as you pointed out, one of the ones I have had since then was my first TED uh, X. Uh, I told I, I I did that speech in June of this year, and I used that opportunity to um, combine my story with a very quick history of the United States' wars war on drugs, and then using my story plus that history to help people understand why people like me do not get the help we need when it comes to addiction. And and there's a lot of of uh, different um, narratives mixed up in there, but. To, to your earlier question or earlier point about the, the the people coming up afterwards, you know, that night I went into this very uh, sort of conservative crowd. I was a little nervous because what I was doing was very challenging, uh, basically saying the way you the way everybody in this audience thinks about drug use and addiction is flat out wrong. Uh, I was a little nervous about doing that. And afterwards, uh, the, the responses were incredible. I mean, people going, I never thought about it this way. You know, my own brother, my son, my whatever has struggled. You're right. I thought of him this way. It's really this. Uh, those are, you know, to your, your point earlier and to what I'm, I was saying earlier as well, that's why I do this, is, is that moment. If I can help one person think of their loved one different, it's worth it. Yeah, that makes it a hundred percent worthwhile at that point. Uh, so you didn't weren't able to do any like virtual speeches to like uh, business conferences or through Zoom or anything during the last year or that. I did a couple. You did a couple. Good. Yeah, but but you know, yeah, the, and 
they're exactly right. They're not the same. And, and you know, I I love. I have my podcast. I actually host multiple uh, storytelling events virtually that that you know get out to hundreds and thousands of people, which is amazing. I don't 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 get me wrong. I love doing those. <laughs> uh, we we have one coming up next week. I love it. But it's not the same. It's not the same as being in front of a crowd of of hundreds or a thousand people. Uh, you know, in in, in opening up and, and creating this space that people feel that they can be more comfortable talking about their own stuff. You know, as I say on my show, uh, vulnerability begets vulnerability and empathy begets empathy. And when I go up there in front of a thousand people and say, my name is Jay Schiffman, I'm in recovery. You know, you can hear the mood of the room shift as people go, what now? Uh, <laughs> and, and it just changes everything. And, and and my goal then for the next 15, 30 hour, whatever they booked me for, is to bring the audience along with me as I continue down this path of vulnerability. Uh, and I love it. And there's nothing like it. And on, on Zoom or any digital media, you're not going to get that feeling at all. You just no. see an icon or the face looking. So you don't know what their feeling is. If you're even getting into them emotionally at any point, you don't get that vibe. Right. So I know a lot of speakers this last 18 months, whatever we're in now, 24 months almost, they, they still kept doing it, and I didn't understand how they felt that vibe, and you just hit the nail on the head. You just don't feel it. There's no way you feel it. You know, so so during uh, COVID, I gave birth to two uh, uh, live but virtual storytelling events, Rock Bottom Storytellers and A Day in the Life, which are both uh, very different, but but they're both um, this, this sort of virtual experience of uh, either one or multiple storytellers telling a story to – who who knows right i mean sometimes it's 10 people other times it's literally i think our biggest one yet has been about 300 and uh those are amazing and i love the responses um you know people occasionally will share a comment but it's 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 not the same and even when you do have a storyteller uh i i perfect example is one of the people who works for me um my writer did one of these for me and he told his story of being uh, sexually abused and, and struggling with, with different things, mental health. It was one of the greatest stories I've ever heard. And I do this for a living. And there were like two comments, you know, and yet there were hundreds of people watching, but there were like two comments. And it's because it's different. You don't get that level of engagement. Um, and that's what we're missing. Right. You, you miss the humanity of it, the social interaction. You can't, well, uh, you can't look down and slap someone in a high five. Did you get that? Yeah, I got it. Because you yeah. know, right now you can't give high fives because it's frowned upon. And, and other than that, you know, they might sneeze when you do it. So it could be bad for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so no, I know you're starting to build up now with I mean, Are you still in Cincinnati or North Kentucky or? No, I'm actually in Philadelphia. My wife Philly. and I moved okay. to Charleston, South Carolina for two years. Uh, and then the spring of this year moved to Philly, okay. uh, where we are we are establishing uh, sort of our community here. And it's been wonderful. So establishing a foothold in Rocky City. Rocky's up there today, actually, for the opening you know, of Rocky funny, Chicago. You say this. Uh, this weekend, as we record this, my wife and I are running the the Rocky Run, the the the, the five k <laughs> that kind of traces his path, and then you finish, and everybody runs up the steps. Nice. Uh, so funny coincidence. Yep. <laughs> I just seen on, I was looking, I was going to uh, reading on my Facebook and Rocky was on there. Sylvester Stallone saying he was on his way to Philly for the opening of the movie. I, was like, oh, yeah. I didn't even know he had one coming out. 
Uh, yeah, it's actually the 25th anniversary, I think. Or no, that would be wrong. It's like the 40th or something like 40, that. It's, it's old, yeah. It's 70-something. Yeah. yeah. Nice. So this would be Rocky versus Drago. You're right there in the heart of it, so maybe you can bump elbows right. with Sylvester. Say, hey, man, yep. you went with me too. You ran it one time. You can run it again. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Even though I think if, if you look back at the way he ran, it would be like 20-something miles he ran that day. So 5K is about right for Philly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna stick with the 5K. Um, but I, I, you know, I do have my gray, my gray sweatshirt and my red headband ready, so we'll be out there Saturday morning. <laughs> Some Chuck Taylors. <laughs> oh no, no, thank you. Rocky can stick with the Chuck Taylors. I'll wear real running shoes. Thank you very much. You, you want to lose your arches today? All right, that's good. I, no, thank you. I'm good. <laughs> I'm sure that'll be a fun time. Uh, do you have any events planned moving forward or trying to get them going now? Yeah, so uh, Rock Bottom Storytellers, uh, the fourth of this year is is on Wednesday, the 17th of November. Uh, but what's amazing is that next year in, in 2022, now that we're opening back up, uh, Rock Bottom will be an in-person event for the first time. So that'll be amazing. I cannot wait uh, to have a real audience there as, as we tell our stories. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, also, my podcast is it, the season ended uh, last week as we record this. So uh, season three of the Choose Your Struggle podcast will start back up in uh, probably February of, of 2022. Uh, I have another podcast in the, in, the, in the development phase right now called Made It. That'll drop in March or April of 2022. And uh, look out f- uh, for, for my book uh, that I'm working on with my, my writer, as I mentioned before, my co-writer, ML Lenzalata. He and I have this going on uh, and it, it's, it's on pace to drop sometime late next year, 2022. So, so it's going to be a big year. You're staying busy. I mean, you, you never <laughs> you never lost your focus through this. So that's good. And you kept, yes, um, that's right. You're an entrepreneur at heart, obviously, by what you're doing moving forward. Even like you said earlier, we're not making money off this, but you're making value to someone else's heart and soul. So that, that's what this is all about. So well, that's, it, that's right, Rich. And actually, point on that that I, I, I want to make, I really appreciate you saying that because not everybody gets that. And I spoke at a conference uh, over the summer uh, a podcasting conference. And my my session was specifically titled Beyond Monetization Podcasting for Good. And what I talked about is how my business, do I make money? Of course, I make some, but but it, it, if I was just trying to make money, I was I'm doing it wrong because I'm not making anything that I could. But I don't measure my success based on the 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 balance sheet at the end of the day. I, you know, as the business owner myself with people under me, I have to keep an eye on it. But if I was to rank the five uh, biggest motivators or the ways that I gauge success for this business, monetization is not in those top five. The things I that I, I judge it on are what you and I are talking about right here. It's the responses. It's, it's where the message is getting to and if the message is getting out there. Those are the things that matter most to me. And when, when people reach out to me, if they say, hey, I heard you with Rich and God, this really resonated with me, that's what I keep track of. That's, that's how I, I rate myself and how well my business is doing. And at the end of the day, I just know that the money will come. It'll be there because when, good, when you're doing good, it, it all works out, I guess is the way I want to put that. That's, that's definitely right. When, you, when you're doing the right things, things will work out for you in the end. If you keep doing going for that short money like a lot of other in our field do, it's a, it's going to crash and burn at some point when people stop listening to you. But That's if right. you keep hitting that one person and doing the right thing, it's going to grow and grow and grow. And maybe you'll have a tribe behind you that's pushing you up with flags and stuff saying, let's go do this. You're the best. And then pushing you up those stairs to the Rocky statue. 
<laughs> that's, that's right. Yep. So how would someone get in contact with you? Well, there's a couple of ways. Uh, I do have a couple of websites, chooseyourstruggle.com, exactly as it sounds, uh, or jshiffman.com is my personal, and that's S-H-I-F-M-A-N, jshiffman.com. And, and find me on social media. I'm either Jay Schiffman or Choose Your Struggle on everything. And I say this whenever I'm interviewed, whenever I speak, whenever I uh, am talking anywhere, actually. Reach out. And, and I mean that because what you haven't heard yet from my story is that when I say that I'm going on 12 years in recovery, uh, what I mean by that is in the the summer of 2009 which is is you know sort of the beginning of the worst year of my life i uh attempted suicide twice in in two days uh and, and went lived through an overdose wow. now the i would say that the, the uh, you know the odds of that happening of somebody coming through those 48 hours uh are very slim right i mean uh, i'm a big star wars fan i'm going to use the, the han solo quote don't tell me the odds but they're very low and what i want to impress upon anybody listening is you don't need to get to that place i wish when i was at uh, that that low of a point somebody like myself right now had reached out to me and said i'm here i'm willing to listen what's going on with you and I felt that nobody was willing to. Now, I was wrong, obviously. When I lived through that, multiple people were like literally angry with me. Like, how could you do this? I'm right here. But we don't always hear that, right? So I make this offer whenever I speak, whenever, I, whenever I'm interviewed. And that is, if you need someone to talk to, please reach out. I, I know that's hard. Because in that moment, I wouldn't have reached out to someone to say, I need to talk. So right. I'm offering you this, this code word. And I say this every time because this is a lot easier. If you reach out to me on social media, on my website, whatever, and you need someone to talk to, say, tell me you heard me with Rich and you have questions or you wanted to ask me something. And I'll know. I know what that means. And I'll say, great, here's my phone number or, or what's your phone number? Let me call you right now, right? Because I know that code. I've had people, when I, when I say this, I've had people reach out to me over every media you can imagine. I know joke, I, I, this is hilarious to me, but it, it's, it happened. Somebody reached out to me over TikTok. And I wouldn't recommend doing that because I always forget that I have a TikTok and I don't check it regularly. So don't do that. But if that's the only place that you feel comfortable, reach out to me over TikTok. So find me on social media on my website and say, hey, I heard you with Rich. Love the conversation. I have a question and I'm going to go, great. When can you talk? I'm right here. Awesome. That's, that's awesome. That's great the offer to all the listeners out here. And I hope someone who's out there and if they're struggling right now and a lot of it comes down to a pride thing. I don't want to say I'm hurting them or doing anything. Right. And I don't want to feel like I'm putting being a burden on you. But now that you've thrown that offer out there, I throw it out there all the time on here. Phone a friend, call me. I'm here. Yeah, you have my number and stuff. But if you don't tell me something's wrong, I can't see into your brain to know what's going on. I, I got to know in order to do it. And that's a great offer to, to give the audience right now. Rich, I want to I want to tell you my favorite quote, and I got this from a guy named Frank King. You know, Frank, you ever heard that name? No. So Frank used to be a writer for Jay Leno. Uh, he came up with if you've ever seen like blue collar comedy, you know, oh, yeah. all those guys, Jeff Foxworthy. He was one of those dudes. He like came up was with them in the eighties, right? And then Frank battled depression, and Frank attempted suicide, and Frank lived. 
And so he completely changed his life. He became an inspirational, motivational speaker. He mixes comedy with that amazing guy. One of the guys I really credit a lot of my work to. And Frank makes a similar offer when he speaks. And he, he has a quote that I love. And that is, we'd rather spend two hours listening to you today than two hours at your funeral tomorrow. So when people are listening, know that, right? Rich would rather spend two hours talking to you today than have to go to your funeral tomorrow. I would rather spend two hours talking to you today than have to go to your funeral tomorrow. So please reach out. Thank you. That's awesome. That's a great quote. I'll probably use it in the future. I'll give you credit. Then you can give credit to him as it comes back. Perfect. I love it. That way all APAs involved and everyone's happy at that point. Uh, if yep. you can give advice to someone that is struggling how to come out and say, I need help, what would you tell them? Yeah, man. It uh, Look, it's tough. It's really tough. And, and again, you've now heard that I've been there uh, and I didn't say it. And, and instead, I attempted suicide twice in two days. Um, I, I would say that the, the first thing that you can do is find someone like Rich or I who you know does this. Um, and, and in fact, actually, real quick, when COVID first hit and I was like, how am I going to help people for the next couple of years or, or whatever the time is going to be? I put this offer out on my social media, on my website, on my podcast and just said, look, if somebody needs to talk, I'm here. Right. And I thought maybe one or two people would reach out, man. I'll tell you what, for the next three months, it was basically a part time job. I had scheduled calls, Zooms, everything just people wanting to hear that it was okay to feel the way they were feeling, right? And yet, if a person had asked that person day to day, they would have been like, yeah, you know, it's it's really hard for everybody, but I'm, I'm doing okay. So a lot of that, to use a word you just said, is pride. And, and that's the most important thing is to remember that that pride that you're feeling and it's keeping you from asking for help is the same pride that that person that you're afraid to ask for help is feeling that's keeping them from asking you really what's going on or telling you what's going on. So again, to say something I said earlier that I say all the time, vulnerability begets vulnerability and empathy begets empathy. So if you're really hurting and you need someone to talk to, find that person that's closest person in your life, the, you know, whether it's your buddy, your, your brother, whatever, and just tell them what's going on. Just open up. And I guarantee you, because I, I again, I do this all the time. I literally do this for a living. They're going to reciprocate. They're going to say, wow, I had no idea. You know, I'll, I'll admit, you know, this has been happening to me too. And in fact, actually, Rich, because you and I are two dudes talking about this. I read a study about a year, two years ago now, that said that 90% of, of all male friendships uh, were, were around three topics. All they ever did was talk about three topics. Do you want to guess what those three topics were? Sports, girls, and something else. Ooh, you! no one's ever got all three, but you're close. <laughs> Sports and, and women, or sex, whatever way you want to put it, is, is one and two. Uh, media, music, TV, oh, movies, yeah. that kind of stuff is number three. So 90% of all dude conversations revolve around that. If I mean, if, if you're telling me that, I'm going to call that a superficial friendship, right? But I have tried in my male friendships to make that not the case because you can't just have this friendship where it's like, we're talking about movies, we're talking about sex, we're talking about, you know, sports, and then all of a sudden I need your help. That doesn't, it, it's not going to work. 
So instead, try to have try to build that friendship with your male friends or if women. I mean, it's a little easier for you, but it's not easy. So try to build those friendships now so that you can be that person when they need help and they can be that person when you need help. Awesome. That's that's all right. Now I know that all three things we're supposed to talk about at the bar. Good. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what it is, man. <laughs> I would have got that. I already started with the movies early with Rocky. I should have known that was media was first one. So I had all three there answers. I messed up, Alex. Sorry. <laughs> but but uh, Jay, again, thanks for being on the Misfit Nation. And uh, you're welcome back anytime you want to come back on and motivate us. Oh, well, thanks so much for having me. It was great chatting with you. And, uh, you know, I just I, I know that this is going to be uh, a really impactful conversation for somebody. Awesome. Thanks, Jay. And I'll, I'll catch you later. Thanks so much.